Praise God. Let's raise our hands again. Just feel after Him. Just feel after Him. Just feel after God. Jesus. Praise God. Shut the Many, how many really want more of Jesus this afternoon? Praise God. I want more of Him. Praise God. I really have felt something very specific for this service. And I don't think it's going to take me a whole lot of time to um, talk to you about it. But I believe it is... I believe it's very, very, very critical and very essential imperative that we see this today and understand the importance of the moment. And there are a lot of people under the sound of my voice tonight that are very, you're at a very important crossroads in your life. And anytime you're at a very cross, important crossroads of your life, there are altars that you are building, and there are things that you're sacrificing, but there are always things that God requires. Anytime you're at a crossroads, there's always things that God requires, and there's some things that you have to leave behind, and there's some things that you've got to pick up and you've got to take with you. And so we're going to talk about a couple of those things here tonight. Genesis chapter 21, if you've got your Bibles. Genesis chapter 21. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and tell them, Jesus really wants to help you today. I, I, wished, I, I wish that... The desperation for Jesus would get so intense that it would be... Have you ever seen a child that just wasn't going to have it any other way, but its mom was going to hold it? it? The reach. I mean, how do you resist that? I didn't understand that till I become a father, but how, how do you resist the pleading and the reaching and the desperation of a child that's not going to have it any other way but you to embrace them. I wonder what would happen in this service today if we would get that desperate for Jesus, where we didn't care who was worried or what anybody said or what anybody was going to think or what it was going to do to our hair or how, how it was going to cause us to act. And if we just get so desperate, we could tune out the rest of the world. And just like a child, would, a babe would reach for its mom, we would just begin to reach for him. Jesus, I've got to have you today. Today, I've got to have you. I wonder what would happen in this service if every one of us could have that kind of hunger and that kind of drive and that kind of passion after God. And I pray that before we're finished today that, that we will all together reach for him in that nature. Genesis chapter 21, it's an honor to be here with you today. And... Um, I, on a normal basis, refuse to do two meetings at one time, but this is, this is a God thing, and um, 
I would have been here earlier. Regret that I couldn't have been here earlier. Our service went extremely long this morning in uh, the Redlands, but there was, the altar was just full of people being renewed in the Holy Ghost. So for that, we are appreciative. But it is good to be with you here today. I enjoy coming to Life Church and the excitement that I feel here today. Genesis chapter 21. And let's, we're going to read a few scriptures here. Let's start with verse number 1. And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of the son that was born to him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded. Verse number 8, And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be the heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous. It was hard for Abraham to accept it, to turn loose of it. It was grievous. The fact that Ishmael had to leave was grievous in Abraham's sight because it was, it was his son. God said, now, all the men, this is really grievous to the men because this is one time in Scripture that God told the man to listen to the woman. Praise God. And, uh, but he said, she's right. Abraham, she's right. Listen to what she's telling you. The lad's got to go. The bondwoman's got to go. Hearken unto her voice. For an Isaac shall thy seed be called. Ours one translation says that I read on the internet. Your future lies in Isaac. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for every person that is in this building today. Thank you for your spirit that has been so real and so close to me today. I pray, God, that you would allow me to take the next 15 or 20 minutes in some way to transmit and communicate what is on my spirit and what is on my mind and what is weighing so heavenly on me. Help me to preach until I preach it off. But, God, more than just preach it off, help these people to grab a hold of it, to apply it to their life, to sow the seed deep, 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 deep in their spirit. I'm praying, Jesus, that life-changing things happen in the next few moments of this service. God, I pray that the Holy Ghost would move in this place. I pray that it would come so strong that people would grab a hold of what I'm saying and just take a hold of the remainder of this service and make decisions that will forever, Lord Jesus, create destiny in their life. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the nearness, the nearness. You're so close to us. I tremble at your presence. You're so close to us. We're so unworthy, Jesus. Jesus, we're so unworthy. In fact, I understand what the psalmist said when he says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou would visit him? God, I'm humbled, Lord, that you would come so close to your people today. Help us, God. Help us, God. But it's more than just nearness and closeness. But help us, God, to hear the beat of your heart. Help us hear the beat of your heart. Help us to understand what you're saying to us today. 
We thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. Would you put your Bibles down, put your hands together, and praise the Lord for his presence? Would you just magnify him? Hallelujah. Would you just glorify Jesus? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Would you just lift your voice now? Would you mix your voice with your hand clapping and magnify Him? He is worthy. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. You can be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus' name. Praise God. Jesus. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I'm just thankful for the presence of the Lord that's here today. Jesus, I thank you for your spirit that's here. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It is to some, it would seem that this story is not really relative relative to us, but at closer examination and dealing with humanity, I'm finding that there are some things in this story, in this very vulnerable time in the life of a great man that are very beneficial to us if we could closely put a magnifying glass on these things today, and that's what I want to do for the next few moments. It is very important for you to understand that Abraham is a man of destiny, but it is also very critical for you to understand people that have destiny on their life are not void from making mistakes. People that God purposed before they ever breathed the first breath of the outside air that he purposed to make an impact on the kingdom of God does not mean that they are going to live in perfection. It does not. It's when, when the call of God or the hand of God or the anointing of God is placed upon a man or a woman or a family, it does not signify that that person will never fall short of the glory of God. It is very critical for you to understand that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. It is very critical for you to understand this afternoon in this message that the Bible says that any man in this house that would say that you are without sin, that you make God a liar. But what is critical is for you to also understand that even though we have the knowledge that our flesh is frail and that our humanity is is susceptible to make mistakes, it is very important that you have a backup plan, regardless 
of the mistakes, regardless of the times in our life that we didn't quite match up to the expectations of God, there's got to be something in us that says, as the writer said in the Word of God, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. It is very critical, it is very imperative that every one of us in this house has a backup plan. I am not justifying sin. I am not standing here today, and I am not making way or making room for perpetual sin. But I am also saying to you in the same stride, in the same words, that it is very important that you have a backup plan. How many people in this world... Has the purpose of God never been revealed, the ministry that God intended never exposed to this world because somewhere they made a mistake, somewhere they fell on their face, somewhere their life was broken to a million pieces, and nobody was ever willing to preach a message of restoration to see that ministry restored, to see that life restored. I want you to understand this morning that you are in a church and that you are listening to a preacher this morning that believes that God is a God of forgiveness. God is a God of restoration. There is life after failure. I don't know if you heard me this morning or this afternoon, but there is life after failure. I have watched. Some, some of you may question, what, who are you preaching to today? You just hang on, because there are people under the sound of my voice that the purpose of God has yet to come to pass. And if I can just get you over uh, over the catastrophe of everything that happened for the wrong des- decisions that you made, if I could just some way, through the anointing of the Holy Ghost, pull you out of the pit that you're living in of condemnation because of wrong turns that you made, I believe that the world is going to see the purpose and the plan of God come to fruition. I believe that God's purpose is going to be manifested in the life of every man and woman in this place. I have seen, I have seen extreme failure evolve into the favor of God. How? What about Calvary? If we don't believe in the blood of Calvary, if we don't believe in the power of the blood that Jesus shed, hey, folks, I want you to understand something. Thank God that that blood was not shed just for the initial mistake or the initial shortcoming of humanity, but that blood is immeasurable. It does have, it does not have any death. I want somebody to understand here today that the blood of Jesus can cover the sin. The presence of God can fix the failure. God can put back the broken pieces of your life. He can put them back together. There is life after failure. There is life after failure. And the only way that failure ever can evolve into favor is for you to learn from the mistakes you've made and to crawl back to the feet of the cross, the foot of the cross and explain to God, I missed the mark. I made a mistake. I made a bad judgment call. I made a wrong turn. I should have never become frustrated. I should have never got involved in that situation. I never should have got involved in that relationship. But say, God, I'm back. Would you give me another chance? Would you let me try again? I'm ready for another shot. Clap your hands to the Holy Ghost. 
Abraham is a picture of somebody that was born with destiny. Abraham is a picture of somebody that was born with purpose. He was born with ministry. He was not just an ordinary person. He was somebody from the very beginning that God desired to use in a very demonstrative fashion. But there is encouragement in the life of Abraham because we see that everything did not unfold exactly the way that God intended. Abraham did not follow the path exactly the way that God had planned. The Bible says in chapter 21 in the book of Genesis that I read to you that there was a set time in which God had spoken to Abraham. There was a certain time. I've never really viewed it this way before, except over the last few months my views changed a little bit. I believe Abraham knew all along the time and the season in which Isaac was to be born. But you've got to understand it didn't happen exactly the way God had it all laid out. The Bible says that the couple became frustrated in waiting. They became over anxious in waiting on the promise of God. And his wife comes in to him and she tells him, I want you to go in and I want you to lay with my bondwoman Hagar. And I maybe that's God's way. Maybe that's God's plan. Maybe that's how God is going to allow us to have a son. I'm not getting any younger, Abraham. How do you expect for me to have a child? Surely this is the plan in which God has had all along. And the Bible says, that from that mistake that there was a child that was born and his name was Ishmael. Ishmael, for you, uh, for it to relate to you, Ishmael was the representation of a mistake. Ishmael was the representation of a place in the life of Abraham where things went differently than what God intended for them to go. Is anybody with me right now? God never intended for there to be an Ishmael. It was never in the plan of God for there to be an Ishmael. Just like people that are sitting on these pews here this afternoon, there are things that you are suffering and you are dealing with. God never intended for you to deal with those things. God never intended for you to suffer for those things. But you are learning the concept that a man suffers and he pays from the decisions that he makes. It was not God's intentions for you to suffer. But you made decisions. You created Ishmael's in your life. You jumped the gun. You didn't wait on God. You got involved in relationships. You got involved in things that God never planned on you uh, to get involved in. And it's created Ishmael's. You've got to understand that every day of Abraham's life, he had to look at that and understand, boy, you've made a mistake. Every day of his life, his past glared at him eyeball to eyeball. In fact, it became something that was very dear to him. He became to the place, he came to the place that he learned to love Ishmael, but it was always the whispering voice of what God never intended. It was always the whispering voice of a mistake. Abraham, you knew that was not God's plan. You knew that was not God's way. You knew that was not God's intentions. That is the representation of the thing that you got involved in that God never intended for you to get involved in. Is anybody with me right now? But notice God's nature after the mistake. After now, Abraham has got 
the outcome or now he has the very representation of that mistake. Now he's got Ishmael to deal with the rest of his life. The Lord comes back and he visits Abraham. He doesn't come in condemnation. He doesn't come with a sword or he doesn't come with a stone fist to mash Abraham. But when he comes back to Abraham, he comes back and he tells him the same thing that he told him before. I got a plan for your life. There's something I intend for you to do. There is destiny on you, son. There is a ministry for you. There are things that are going to happen through you that are going to affect the rest of the world and the rest of time. Come on, somebody needs to understand today. I don't understand the mistakes. I don't know what you did. I don't know the bad judgment calls you made. I don't know the relationships you got involved in. I don't know the degree by which you're suffering today from the Ishmael's in your life. But I don't feel a God that has come in here to condemn. I don't feel a God that has come in here to put his thumb on you. But I've come today to tell you God's plans are still the same. God intends to use you. God intends to see his purpose live in your life. There's a time for conviction. There's a time for judgment. There's a time that we have to consecrate and realize that we've been wrong. And there's a time that God comes and He may come with heaviness. But I believe the nearness that we feel in this service today is not God. It's not God saying the Ishmaels are all right. But it's God saying, I can look past the Ishmaels. I can look past the mistakes in your life. I can still use you regardless of the scars, regardless of the pain, regardless of the suffering. You say, Brother Marks, this is not for everybody today. I understand that. But there's a, there's a handful of key people in this building that could get, if you could get what I'm preaching today, it could revolutionize this church. It could revolutionize this city. It could revolutionize this area. If you could ever wake up one morning and realize, I'm not a failure. I'm not a dried up burnover field. I'm not washed up. I'm not a has-been. I'm telling you, Brother Marks, why don't you just preach something that relates to all of us? Huh? Later, later, just come back, I'll preach to all of you later. Right now what I'm doing is I'm trying to light a fire under about four or five or six in this building or a good solid family in this building that the devil's lied to you and told you, you've already gone too far, you've already made too many, you've already made too many mistakes. Don't you know the things you've said and the places you've done? Look at all the Ishmaels you've produced from the top that you've been away from God. Can I come back and tell you the same as God came back and told Abraham, Abraham, I still love you. I still believe in you. I still have a plan for your life. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Holy Ghost. This Bible is full of perfect, 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 perfect examples. If Jonah could run from God, if Jonah could run from God, and then God eventually catch up with him and use him to turn the sin of Nineveh. If Peter could deny thrice, curse and cut off the ear of a soldier, and he could still be the preacher on the day of Pentecost. What I've come today to tell you is, it's not over. It's not finished. God's not through with you. There is still a plan for your life. 
Come on, shake your neighbor right now and say, don't settle for less. You're settling for less. I want you to understand something. God doesn't hand out salvage titles when you pray back through. God doesn't hand out salvage titles that says, well, you just sit there and be happy that God saved you. Hallelujah. 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 I, I think that I can say this and understand the heartbeat of your pastor. We don't work on a merit system around here. We don't work on what we've earned. If we worked on what we've earned, and if our qualification came on what we've done right, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. God picks whom he may. God uses whom he may. If he'll use a bush or a donkey, if he'll use a backslidden preacher, i got news for you. God wants to use you. God's not finished with you. God's got a plan for your life. But I've seen so many people that had the call of God, that had the hand of God. That I've seen families. I've even seen churches. I've seen handfuls of people that knew they had the knowledge. They knew from a child. They knew from a young person that God, their life was different than everybody else's. They knew when they got around the crowd, they weren't just quite like everybody else. I knew people that preachers have prophesied over and pastors have spoken words of destiny. And then they make the tragic mistake. They get involved with the wrong girl. They get involved with drugs or alcohol. They do this or that. And they get all kinds of Ishmaels in their life. And nothing makes the devil any more happy than for them to believe the lie that once there's an Ishmael, there can never be an Isaac. But I've come to preach to you today with a boldness in the Holy Ghost. Isaac is coming. I've come to tell somebody today, Isaac is on his way. I've come to let somebody to know that Today, God's plans are still the same. There's nothing more that the devil would enjoy than to see you just settle with living with Ishmael. There's nothing more that the devil would enjoy than to see you just satisfied living in the regret of Ishmael. What could have been? What might have been? What might I have done for the kingdom of God? What I'm trying to do today is to get somebody's eyes off of Ishmael. What I'm trying to do today is to get somebody's eyes off of the failure. What I'm trying to do today is to shake somebody out of the condemnation and let you know God loves you. God cares about you. God's plan is for more than do you feel a pew in this building. I didn't come to condemn you, Abraham. I've come to tell you in the midst of your Ishmaels that my plan is still the same. Sure enough, the Bible says in that set time, listen to me, I'm not going to be a whole lot longer. In that set that Sarah conceives. The Bible says that this situation that looks totally impossible through the eyes of humanity now becomes pregnant. How many people said she'll never have a child? 
you'll never produce. No. They'll deal with Ishmael the rest of their life. It's impossible. There's no way it can happen. Don't you understand all of the things that are involved in it now? Don't you understand everything that's playing into this situation now? She's an old woman and Abraham's an old man. Ah, oh, don't you understand the miraculous is always surrounded by the voices of unbelief. Don't you understand the miraculous is always surrounded. Anytime there's voices of unbelief, all it is is a telltale sign to me that somewhere the miraculous is moving. Anytime there's criticism, anytime there's these voices that say, you know, it's impossible. There's no way it can come to pass. All that is is an identification to me that somewhere there is a miracle. Very, very close. Anytime that the devil comes around lying and whispering things into my ear that are contrary to the Word of God. Anytime the devil starts telling me little things of unbelief and doubt, every time it's just a little flag goes up in my brain. Somewhere he's trying to cover up. There's a miracle somewhere here. There's a miracle somewhere real close to here. And the Bible says that she gives birth. Not only was she conceived, not only did she conceive, but she gave birth to the son. Now, understand, Isaac is the representation of the miracle. Isaac is a representation of the future. Somebody scream future. Somebody scream future. Isaac is a representation of a brighter tomorrow. Isaac is a representation of, of everything that everything that Abraham has ever dreamed or imagined. Isaac is the representation of what God always intended. It is a representation of God's plan and God's purpose. Somebody stay with me here for a few moments. But you've got to understand that when he's born, he is an infant. He is vulnerable. The miracle is in a very vulnerable state. He can't talk for himself yet. He can't move for himself yet. He can't walk for himself yet. But on the other hand, the mistake's been around long enough that now he's old enough and he's got a voice. He's got a voice. He's got a tongue. He's able to move on his own. He's able to maneuver on his own. And so you've got to realize what is going on in the situation. There is nothing more than Ishmael wants to do or the representation of the mistake. There is nothing more that the past or the mistake wants to do than to kill out the life that is in the future because he understands if the future lives, if the baby lives, it's going to put me in the doghouse. If Isaac lives, Abraham's going to forget about me. We can't both live in the same house. The miracle and the mistake of the past and the future cannot survive in the same house. One must die and the other must live. Thank God for Sarah's sensitivity to realize that the past and the mistake was taunting the future. Thank God that Sarah was sensitive enough to realize that the past was trying to squish out the very life of the vulnerable babe, which was the representation of the miracle. She come to Abraham. She said, you've got to understand something. The mistake is taunting the miracle. They can't live in the same house. If Isaac is going to live, if the miracle, if the future is going to live, something has got to go. What I have come to preach to you today is this. I have come to apply the same concept to every person that is in this building. I 
don't know what the past holds. I don't know what you're carrying condemnation from. I don't know the mistakes you've made. I don't know the Ishmaels that you've created in your life. But you hear what this man of God says to you today. There is a miracle. There is a miracle of ministry that God has for you. There is a plan. There is a purpose. But what you've got to understand is it is at, it is at a very vulnerable stage. Because the mistake has lived so long, it would like to hoard and to stand over and defy the future. Because the mistake and the past is so full of heartache and pain, it would like to squish out the life in the future that God has for you. So there has got to be a protector. There has got to be someone that is sensitive enough to realize there's some things that I've got to drive out if my future is going to live, if my tomorrow is going to be bright, if the favor of God is going to be on me from this day forward. Ishmael, you've got to go. You've got to go. The bondwoman's got to go too. Even the things that produce the mistakes, I'm detaching myself from them. I'm not living there anymore. I'm not going there anymore. I'm not dwelling there anymore. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching to you today. God's got a miracle for you. But if the miracle is going to live, you're going to have to drive out the mistake. You gotta drive out the past. You gotta drive it out of your mind. You gotta drive it out of your spirit. That thing that looms every time you try to take a step forward. Every time you try to pray. Every time you try to do something for God. That thing that always comes up on the screen. That thing that the devil always tries to utilize against you. You gotta drive it out. You gotta get in an altar and say, no. Ishmael, you won't live. Isaac will live. The miracle will live. The future will live. Come on, somebody. My grandkids are not going to sit around and talk about my Ishmaels. Hey, my grandkids are not going to have to suffer with the Ishmaels that I let live. Come on. I want my grandkids to enjoy the Isaacs. I want my grandkids to enjoy the miracles of living for God. Clap your hands to the Holy Ghost. Lift your voice to the Holy Ghost. If you'd come to the keyboard, I'm finished. You've got to drive it out. Abraham, don't you understand that the mistake and the miracle, they can't, they can't live in that. They can't live in the same house. One's got to go. One's got to go because if they both stay here, one's going to die. One's going to, somebody is going to destroy somebody else. But, folks, you've got to understand that responsibility today lies with you. You've got to realize the vulnerability. You've got to realize the infancy. You've got to realize the state of what God wants to do with you. It's so new. You're just coming to the realization of it. It's just been the last few weeks that you're coming to the understanding that God still has a purpose for you. You've got to protect that. You can't continue to visit Ishmael. You can't continue to live with Ishmael. You can't go back to Ishmael's room. You can't love. You can't embrace Ishmael anymore. You have got to detach yourself from that thing. You've got to detach yourself from that place. You've got to detach yourself from those people. You've got to... Do you want to be used of God? Why do you want to put yourself in situations... Where you know that's the very thing. This situation is the very situation I put myself into that caused me to ever produce or create an Ishmael. 
Why do you want to keep going around those people? Why do you want to keep going back to those places? Why do you want to continue to be involved with those things? In fact, what I've come to tell you, whether or not your future lives at this point, is not in the hands of God. Whether or not you're used of God, whether or not God blesses you, whether or not you see the blinded eyes open or the lame walk, whether or not you ever stand behind the pulpit, whether or not you ever sing a song, whether or not you ever play a keyboard, whether or not you're ever a Sunday school teacher, whether whatever God's purpose is for you. It's not, it is no longer in the hands of God. Not as long as you continue to let Ishmael live in the same house with the new thing that God has started in. It won't work. That world and this world in the same house won't work. Past in the fullness of its pain and its hurt and its rejection, its mistakes and its suffering. Either you continue to live there, you settle for that, you dwell on that, you let that become a part of you. Or either you get to a point that you say, you know what? Gotta go. What are you talking about? I'll give you an example this morning. My dad was not raised in this. He was born to a 15-year-old mother in 1958, taxi cab somewhere in L.A. No Pentecostal background. Because of that woman's responsibility and her youth and her ignorance. My dad and his sister would go three, four, five days at a time. Locked in the closet with nothing but a few crackers and loaf. Men would come into that house and beat that two-year-old boy, my father, two-year-old boy, tied to a bedpost and beat him. He was taken from his mother. Eventually was put into the hands of foster parents. Those foster parents later moved to Oklahoma. They had no Pentecostal background. 
Hvad er det nu, jeg forstår? Meanwhile, his mother, over all those years, boy was never, my dad was never adopted. Lived in a foster home all his life. Was basically, he'd work 80-hour weeks as a lumberjack, come in and set the check on the table and never see him. He wasn't a son. He was a slave. Meanwhile, the whole time his mom, his blood mom, trying to get back in his life, he wouldn't take the phone call. He wouldn't take the letters. He tried for God. Time he was five or six years old until he graduated high school. Since then, my dad's taken me back to a spot. There was a spot in those mountains in the hills, Oklahoma. He said, I didn't know God. He said, I didn't know God. He said, but there's a flat rock. He said, I'd go set up on each taking me there soon. He said the wind would begin to blow through the pines. He said, I can feel something so strong. He's sitting there with all that bitterness, hate, past, rejection. He said, I screamed and I said, God, hurry. got to do more than just heal you that rock is going to the pine. Gotta get you. Hook me something. Moved, took a job in Tulsa. The house he moved into was the house behind where my mom lived. My grandmother, my mom being fourth generation. Dad was just a single young guy, and they'd have him over for dinner. One thing led to another. I know this is different today, but that's just what I felt. Okay, I, I can't do anything but what I feel. What I feel. And uh, one thing led to another. Eventually, got the Holy Ghost. But you know, it's God's hand was on him. There's nobody I like to pray like my dad. But he just. But Brown, he just, he couldn't climb out of the hole that was up and down, in and out. Married my mom, and they're basically their whole first 15, 15 years of their marriage, in and out. Just inconsistent. And the reason was, is Isaac was trying to live, but my dad was letting Ishmael prevail. He wouldn't drive him out. He wouldn't do whatever it took to detach himself from all of those things that haunted him. It affected his self-confidence. It affected his marriage. I'm trying to talk to somebody today in the Holy Ghost. I hope you're listening to me. It affected his whole outlook on life. And even though he'd experienced something so real like we felt here today, still he just couldn't hold a line. Eventually got involved with a woman, left my mom and us four boys, come home and left us two or three times. Our, his world's upside down, our world was upside down. He was drinking or crying himself to sleep every night. 
just it wouldn't it never would shift. It was like his life. Somebody needs to hear me because I'm trying to talk to you in the whole. It's like his life was a season, like a tree in a season. And it would bloom. And during the spring and during the summer, everything was fine. But then a winter time would come to his life and the blooms would start to shrivel up. And then the leaves would fall off the tree. And then that's, that's when he'd go through that extreme struggle. He was probably 35 then, so I could say he hadn't talked to his mom in 30-plus years, hanging on to that bitterness and that hate, never knowing who his dad was. Folks, i got family all in this area. I don't know. They're right here. I know they're right here. I don't know who they are. don't know how to find them. They're right here. This is where, this is where my roots come from, right here. Dad's holding on to that bitterness. Finally, he got to the place that he realized if Isaac's going to live and my marriage is going to make it, and if my kids are not going to be affected by my stupid acts the rest of my life, something's got to die. Ishmael's got to die. My dad was a weightlifter. He's a very large man, huge. You think of the biggest man you've ever seen. My dad's. That's my dad. I watched my dad grab a chair when he come home finally the third time trying to work through everything going on in his life, trying to get his marriage back together. I watched him pull the chair out in the living room. He spent hours on the Internet until he found the number to his mom. Thirty-something years of water gone away. I watched my dad to that point, my dad was a loser to me. He was pathetic. But at that point, I gained more respect for my father than I think any man that I have on the earth. He sat down on that chair. He picked the telephone. He dialed the number. A woman answered on the other line. He said, Mom, this is Don. After a long time of silence and of weeping, my father said these words, shaking. He said, I called to tell you forgive me. And I'm asking you to forgive me for the bitterness that I have. And as he's doing that, this is where this message was born. Before I ever was a preacher, this is where this message was. As he was doing that, Isaac. Isaac. was beginning to strengthen himself, and I was hearing the last words of Israel. My dad took and driving out anything that would destroy the future. Folks, since that day, Father, he has a rapport and reputation on his job. He has an impeccable character. He's the most incredible witness. I know of at least three or four times last year he's preached. I know just several months ago a friend of his, a pastor, a friend of his, out of town, my dad went and watched the church. Preach both Sunday morning and Sunday night. My dad's a soul winner. And he's not wavered. Made mistakes, yeah, but he isn't. 
and his Isaac is not an infant. But now his Isaac's got legs. His Isaac is talking. You know what his Isaac's done? Since my dad drove out Ishmael, it probably was the saving for him. Now, two. Now there's three of us preaching the gospel. Two, two of them. The two underneath me. The two underneath me. I don't know if they would have survived. I don't know if they would have made it. One of them, pretty much a done deal. He was gone. But when my dad drove out Ishmael and he embraced the future and he embraced the miracle, I watched that brother of mine that I thought was gone. I watched God turn him. I watched his spirit go from hard and brittle to tender, seemingly. She asked him, she said, what's happened to you? Talking to her flesh and blood, she hadn't talked to him 30 some odd years. No contact. He said, Mom, it's called the Holy Ghost. That it's called the Holy Ghost. He said, if you could ever experience you have ever wanted to do anything. Ask him one time for the apostolic church. What is your Ishmael? What is your Isaac? Are they conflict today? I can't, I can preach. I can't can't run your Ishmael. I can't choke the life out of the past and the state. Your pastor loves you, but really he can preach and he can counsel. Ultimately, the decision is left up to you which one you want to live. Which one? The Bible says that when I, Abraham realized he had, he had he realized when he had to drive out Ishmael, the Bible said it was a grievous thing to him. I understand more clearly now. People struggle so much. It becomes a part of life. It becomes a part of life. It becomes who they are. That's why I've seen God offer hope, throw out lifeline, send begging preachers, weeping preachers, sing the right song. I've watched people sit in their pew and just, Brother Marks, you don't know where I've been, what I've done, you know what I'm involved in. You know, you don't know the things I've said. You don't know. No one knows the pit of sin that I've indulged in. You don't. 
And I'm pleading and I'm begging and I'm reaching and I feel the Holy Ghost reaching. And I've, It took me years to understand why somebody just wouldn't run to the altar. It's taken me years to finally come to an understanding why somebody wouldn't just fall in the presence of God. Out of God saying, come on, come back, come on, come back. I'll forgive you. I'll wash the sin away. I'll take the stain away. I'll remove the shame. I'll give you favor. I'll bless you. I'll anoint you. I, I, for the longest time, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why people didn't just run out of their pew. My God, if God's promising me a future as ridiculous as my present is right now, I'm running. I'm coming to that altar. Ain't nobody. But more times than not, I deal with people that are dealing just the way you're dealing with it today. Why? Because it's a grievous thing to have to turn loose, to have to let go. There's some faces, there's some places, there's some people, there's some things that you're going to have to clip. You're going to have to cut loose. There's some people you're going to have to forgive. There's people in this building, your life is nothing but a thorn bush. And the reason it's never bloomed, the reason the roses have never bloomed, is because you're the one that holds the ability to release. Well, God releases a rose. Yeah, I understand that. But God can't release the miracle and God can't release the rose until you release the past. While God's releasing, yes, is much involved. Yes, yes, God has to release the blessing. God has to release the ministry. On the other hand, you've got to be willing to release the past. You're not happy. Brown, I'm sorry, you fix all this. If this is not right today, you can fix it all when I'm gone. This is just how you're not happy. You're as miserable. And why? It's because you deal with taunting Ishmael's every day of your life. What if you'd have done this different? What if you hadn't have done this? There's even parents in this, in this church that are trying to be faithful to the house of God, but you've yet to bloom like God wants you to bloom because you won't forgive yourself. You will not forgive yourself because you... You walked away from God, and you didn't raise your kids in the church the way your mama raised you. And you hold fault in your heart, and you won't forgive your own self because now your kids are not in this truth. And now, now you're struggling with kids that want to be rebellious, and they want to do this, and they want to do that. And God's got a place for you in this church. God wants to use your life as a testimony of a mom that walked away or a mom that got involved in sin or a mom that got involved with in a bad relationship that came back God forgave them, took the shame away. God wants to use you as a test. You know how many women are like that? If there's not people in our churches that have come from that, how are we going to, is me telling them going to be enough to convince them? Oh, no, I can tell them until I'm blue in the face. But when I can walk back here and I can take the hand of a lady in this church and I can raise her up and say, you see this woman right here? She knew. She walked away. She knew. It cost her family. It cost her kids. It messed her life up. She bears the scars emotionally and mentally. But you know what? She came a day. She walked back into this place. She walked down to this altar. The scars are still there. She'll forever carry the scars. But God forgave her. He gave her her joy back. He gave her her ministry back. He gave her her place back in the camp. What's going to happen when this building is full of people like that? And I'm able to stand you up and say, you see this? This is a testimony. See the smile on her face? See it? She got involved in a relationship that she thought she had to have. I, I'm, folks, I'm trying right now. I'm doing my best to walk. She thought she had to have this man. She thought she had to have this relationship. And now she's dealing with the broken pieces of it not working out the way she thought it ought to work out. 
But she come back here with all the broken pieces and a loving church and a loving pastor's wife and a loving pastor and God and the bomb of Gilead was able to piece back the pieces of her life. Look, she's not frowning anymore. She's smiling. I want to explain to you the purpose, and I'm going very long, but I want you to explain the purpose of what God intends for this church. God intends for this church to be a place for the broken. I want to talk to you in the Holy Ghost. This, the very core of this church, the very core of what God, this is the core, the core of what God, the, the, the structure of what God's building on. He is going to build on people that were washed up, messed up, dried up, broken up. What kind of house is this going to be if the structure is made up of testimonies of people that nobody else had time for, everybody else had given up, hurt by preachers, hurt by... You, you, you can't... I'm doing my best to walk through this and say what God wants to say. You... you you can't live miserable the rest of your life blaming your dad that wasn't a dad to you for your misery. I'm trying to speak specifically to you. It really doesn't have anything, really, whether or not you succeed. Don't put your spiritual success, don't let it hinge on somebody else's actions or what somebody did or what they didn't do. It's got to do with your spirit. The Bible is full of examples of people that did not come from perfect backgrounds, did not come from perfect families. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The Bible, look at the lineage of Jesus Christ. The lineage of Jesus Christ is full of people that come from dysfunctional families, that come from backgrounds of all kinds of different junk. out of it. I'm here on a Sunday afternoon. I've preached once today. This is the second time I'll preach again tonight. But I'm here with gladly and, and I'm here with joy because if I could ever shake some of you out of the hallucination, you, are, you have been hypnotized and, and you have been convinced to believe a lie that's not true. It's not over. Not over. But it lays in your hands. Can't live in the past. I prayed. Maybe, maybe my prayers just bouncing off the four sides of my vehicle on the way here. But I prayed, God, let somebody get so desperate for Isaac to live that they don't wait for me to quit talking. They just say, "Brother Marks, that's me. That's me. I'm so, I'm so." Miserable. I prayed that somebody would say, you know what, I'm not going to wait on a formal altar call. I'm not going to wait on Brother Marks to ask everybody to come around. I don't care who's looking. I don't care. Who, I, I didn't make me a difference in what anybody else thinks. That's me. That's me. That's me. And I'm tired. I'm tired of living there. I'm tired of, I'm tired of dwelling there. I'm tired of. One man has started cutting the path. I've looked across this congregation. I know, I know there's, 
I've counted at least six or seven more. That it's, it's do or die this afternoon. You need to break through this this afternoon. He's one of them. There's others that said and speckled out through this congregation. I don't know who or what you're waiting on. God's reaching for you. God's explaining to you that tomorrow's brighter. The future's brighter. You, Ishmael, if you drive Ishmael out, I'll let Isaac live. Thank you, buddy. I'm, I'm ready. I'm just. Is there anybody here's just ready to move on? If I gotta forgive, I'll forgive whoever I gotta forgive. If I gotta release, I'll release whoever I got. If I gotta quit something, I'll quit whatever God wants me to quit. If I gotta give something up, I'll give whatever God wants me to give up. I'm just ready to move on with my life. I'm tired of living here. I'm tired of dwelling here. I'm tired of this misery. Is is it's enough to choke the life out of you? This is not a, this is not a service of mourning. This is excitement. This is about this is about a new start. This is about people. This is about people and the anointing and the blessing and the ministry of Christ being released in their life. You don't have to come down here and and bury your head. You can come down here and throw your hands up in the air. There's a miracle that's going to start in you today. I said there's some miracles that are going to start here today. Come on, honey. Come on. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. Come here, baby. Come here. Just raise your hands. Come on. Just raise your hands. Come on. Just raise them to God. Come here, Sister Brown, if you would. Come on, baby, right now. Come on, baby. Come on. Where's the rest of you? Come on, there's a miracle down here. There, yeah. Come on, baby, go ahead. Come on, baby. Come on. I bind everything that's trying to destroy this girl. I put my hands on everything that's tried to pull her away. I curse it in the name of Jesus. Everything that's tried to destroy her, I curse it in the name of Hey, Soba. I command it to loose its grip. For whatever reason, hell has wanted to destroy this young lady. I curse it in the name of Jesus. I say she'll be everything God intended for her to be. I say she'll be everything God intended for her to be. I say she'll be everything. I say she'll be everything she ever dreamed of being. I say God. Come on, cry out to God. Come on, cry out to God. Come on, don't come down here and bury up. Cry out to God. Come on, get desperate with God. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for a change. Come on, get your hands in the air. I want you to expect a miracle. Expect God to work on your behalf. Get your head up. Get your hands up. Pick your chin up. God's got a miracle for you. God's got a future for you. God's got a future for you. The devil's a liar. I said the devil's a liar. There's others that need to get out of your pew. There's others that need to get out of your chair. Come on, honey. Come on. God's got a miracle for you today. That's it. Go ahead. That's it. Don't let that pew trap you in. Don't let that troop. Don't let that pew trap you in. 
Come on, young people. Come on, young people. Somebody tell him, I need you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready, Jesus. I'm ready, Jesus. I'm ready. Here I am, God. Take me. Break me. Mold me. Make me. I want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. My God, the Holy Ghost is moving. My God, the Holy Ghost is moving in a powerful way. My God, the Holy Ghost is moving in a powerful way. There's people breaking. I hadn't ever seen break. There's people giving in to God right now. Come on, that's it. Yield to the Holy Ghost. Yield to the Holy Ghost. Come on, I need saints of life center to help me. I want people praying for one another. Find you somebody to pray with. Lay your hands on somebody. Hug somebody up close. Come on, I want you to begin to speak it. It's going to get better. It's never going to be the same. I come to prophesy to somebody, if you'll give in to God, it'll never be the same. God wants to change it forever. 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 Forever, forever, forever. God wants to change it forever. God wants to change it forever. Jesus. <laughs> 
I want everybody in this house that will. I want you to throw your hands in the air, and I want you to reach like a child would reach for its mother in desperation. Cry out to God. Come on, now, quick, now. Everybody, reach for Him. Stretch, reach. Cry out to Him. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice to Him. Come on, louder, louder. Lift your voice to Him. 
Lift your voice to it. Come on, reach for it. Come on, reach for it. Come on, reach for it. Reach for it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We've had several already receive the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. The Spirit of God is in this place. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands one more time and praise the Lord. This is a lingering touch of the Holy Spirit of God. Come on, let it go, let it go, let it go. Come on, the Bible says it's as a river of living water. A river of living water springing up.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I told you this morning. I told you this morning, God expects for us to have joy in the harvest. I think there ought to be a rejoicing voice that goes up right now. Come on, there's something to celebrate. There's a work of God that's being done. Even right now, I need some people that are willing to lift up their voice and shout unto God and give thanks to Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the work that you're doing, Jesus. Thank you for making clear to us what it's going to take. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Open up the windows of heaven. Pour out blessings that cannot be contained. Hallelujah, 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 praise the Lord, hallelujah, I have a word, somebody said, someone came and said there's a lady, keep praying, but if there's a lady in the house, a woman that has sugar diabetes, God wants to heal you from sugar diabetes right now. If you'll come forward right now, God is going to touch you and heal you from sugar diabetes. In the name of the Lord. Come on, that's it. Keep praying. Keep praying. If that's you, come forward. Hallelujah. Come on, let's keep reaching for the Lord right now. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 God, we take the promise of your word. And we release healing, Lord God. We release deliverance, Lord Jesus. Based on the promise of the word of the Lord God. She came and asked you. She is believing right now, Lord God, that you're going to deliver her, Lord Jesus. That there will be no need, Lord God, any further for concern in this area. In the name of Jesus Christ, be it unto her according to your word, according to the power in the name of Jesus, and according to her faith in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands to Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands again. He's worthy. time all across this place just lift up your hands one more time the spirit of the lord is here i don't feel like leaving this spot just yet